I'm not used to multitasking here, folks. I'm, I'm getting a little uh, discombobulated as far as all this stuff goes on. But the question I want to ask you is this. Are you ready? Oh, kids, see you later. Just leave me. Desert me in my hour of need. Okay, see you. Bye. I forgot. Um, you know, are you ready as far as meeting Jesus is concerned? Are you ready? I mean, folks, it, in reality, it could happen at any moment. We just came through a, a prophecy conference at our church down in Greenville, South Carolina. A wonderful man of God, Bob Shelton, put that uh, prophecy conference before us for several Sundays. And folks, it's amazing to watch the Bible unfold as far as prophecy, what's happened, what's coming. And folks, at any moment, do you understand the reality at any moment the rapture could happen? Prophetically, everything is in order for the second coming. But before the second coming happens, that trumpet's going to sound. And we're going to be taken to meet Jesus in the air and be with Him for all eternity. Can I have an amen, please? That's shouting ground, folks, but that's something we should be shouting from the housetops. But there are a lot of aspects of what should happen when you're really anticipating meeting Jesus face to face. Now let's have a word of prayer. I want to give you a real cute story about a gal in my church here before we go any further. But would you bow your heads and hearts and say, God, show me if I'm ready or not. And if I'm not ready, God, prepare my heart to meet you any moment face to face, whether it's in salvation or whether it's just confession of sin and getting your ducks in an order or a row in an order spiritually. Whatever God needs to do in your heart, ask Him to do that work tonight in you. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for the wonderful week we've enjoyed. It's been unusual, but Lord, you've been in control. You're in charge. You let things happen and allow things to be a part of our lives so we can go forward in dependence upon you. And Lord, through whatever's taken place, seek to glorify and honor your name. Don't let us get rattled. Don't let us all shook up, Lord, because we're not in control. It doesn't go the way we think it should happen. God, help us to again trust you and obey you, submit to you. And Lord, let you do what's exactly needed and best for our lives to honor and glorify you. So Lord, as we look to this message tonight, help us to make sure we are prepared in heart to do what's coming next. Lord, it could be the rapture. I'd, I'd think that would be most blessed to say the least. But Lord, there's ministry coming if we're not going to be with you. We need to occupy until you come, until you take us to be with you. And Lord, that just flat out means get busy and accomplish what you have called and saved us to be faithful to. Lord, this is a wonderful church, a lighthouse in this area, a place of great impact if the servants of God will just say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm faithful, and I'm going to do my best to please and honor you. We love you, Lord. Help us now tonight as we look into your word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, did I miss something, or are we having a fellowship tonight? Are we, are we still going to do that? After the service, whether you're a church member or visitor, whether you brought food or not, these girls always fix too much anyway. We're going to go next door and have a little food and fellowship. And here's why. You people never leave, okay? You just, you stand back in the back and, and you, you're like a bunch of Chinese laundrymen back there just, just talking for about a, you know, half hour. I'm thinking, I should have preached longer, you know? And, and it's not just the ladies either. There's some gum bumping men in this church too that just, uh, you know, have the gift of verbiage, I call it. But we're going to go afterwards over there. Don't skip out and go hide in your house. You've been doing that under the snow warning and watch. Come over for some fellowship and we'll have a great time together. I planted a church in Portland, Indiana, just south of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was there five and a half years. That was the best preparation for me to do what I'm doing today. 
Because I, I know what she goes through. I know what her husband goes through. I know what you people go through in a very personal way as God ex let me experience that wonderful time of ministry. Now, I'm head to toe an evangelist, folks. I mean, I, I'm just, that's just me. That's the gift God's blessed me with. But God wanted me to be under that, to, to be better, to do this. Well, I had this gal in my church. Her name was Maxine King. And when we went through a church split, and there were some folks that didn't like me a whole lot because I told them they were sinners and weren't right with God, and they tried to get rid of me. You know what? Even though this lady's whole family, I mean her, her, her daughter, her son-in-law, all, just all the family that was in the church, they tried to run me out off on a rail, but she was scriptural enough. She said, you guys are wrong, and he's right. Isn't that amazing? She was, she was, I mean, she wasn't a young chick either. She was a seasoned saint of God, an old lady. And uh, she was just a faithful, faithful sidekick for me as far as ministry endeavors. You know, if I did counseling for some lady, and there are certain ladies that are on the hunt to ruin your ministry. Now, that, that, that's just not a, an unusual thing. It happens all the time. Well, anytime I had any counseling time, these girls made sure that they were sitting outside my door protecting their pastor, her and a couple other gals in the church. Well, Maxine, one night, I, I think I was at home, and I got this call that Maxine was on her way to glory, that she was in the hospital, and it didn't look like she was going to make it. Well, you know what? She's the best assistant pastor I ever had in my life. And I, I, I was like Jehu. I just got in my chariot, and I rode, and I pulled up the emergency room at the hospital, and there was, it was just like... A lot of hospitals in this area, just administration on the bottom, you know, rooms on the top and that sort of thing, small place. And I didn't care. I just parked my car, went in there, started praying with her. And finally, you know, she was, she was just not, there wasn't her time to go. And they finally got her up in a room. And when she came around, I'm right by her bedside and she was not happy. I said, Maxine, what's wrong? She says, oh, I was so excited, Pastor. I thought I was finally going to get to see my Jesus. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? It's, oh, I didn't die. I'm still... No, she was going, bummer. I could have been in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. That's the kind of anticipation. That's the kind of motivation you should have in your life that, hey, any moment I could be in the presence of Jesus. And folks, nothing in this world compares to that. And you've got to have that kind of perspective or you won't have that kind of presence and impact in your ministry's endeavors. What will happen? You'll mess around with sin. You'll be unfaithful and kind of procrastinating, putting it off as far as responsibilities are concerned. Folks, you're supposed to live like there's no tomorrow. Do you understand that? That's biblical. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now, there are a lot of verses that stir me up and help me go giddy up and, and get it done, but this is a major verse of motivation. Take your Bibles and turn to that little book of Titus. The little book of Titus. Now, when you're back in those T books, you know, Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus. It starts with the big T word and ends with the small T word. That's how I learned to find what went where and all that sort of thing. But look in Titus chapter 2 and go down with me to, to that motivating verse of heart and life. And folks, this is one you need to have in your life also. It says here in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of you are still turning, so let me read it again. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Question, is this a command or is this an option for the Christian? Talk to me. Command or option, what do you think? 
How many think it's a command? Raise your hand or say amen, hallelujah. It's an amen, hallelujah, folks. This is not an optional thing. This is a command of God's will for your life. And it's not just, oh yeah, and then go do your thing. No, this is a constant choice of who and what you are before God. And how, again, you stay prepared for any moment meeting Jesus Christ face to face. Wouldn't that keep you out of the grumpies a little bit? Yeah, maybe a lot of bit. You think that may help you get some sin and junk out of your life a little sooner than not if you really believed and really looked forward to any moment meeting Jesus face to face. Folks, no doubt you'd be more eternal and heavenly minded than the nasty now and now if you truly look to fulfill and be faithful to this verse. Let me read it again. Looking command for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Let me show you how it's supposed to work. There was this pastor in our town. He was, uh, he always got my dad's old toupees. Now, I, I look, I, I'm a smaller version. My dad's a little larger version than me, or I'm a smaller version of him, but we're both cue balls. We walk in the room. There's no doubt there's a family resemblance. Y'all understand? So, but my dad for a while and his vanity thoughts of life, wanted to look a little younger, so he got him an ugly toupee. Now, folks, I, if you've got one on, you're faking me out because it's hard to hide those things. I don't care how well they're made and all that stuff. But what happened was, Dad would, Dad would pass them on down to this preacher who just was about a half mile down from our family business. Well, he wore them so long, folks, he got to the point where his toupee looked like a dog with a mange. Have you seen a dog with a mange? You know, little spots of hair. Oh, I kid you not. And he was so proud of that ugly looking toupee and he wore it all the time. Well, one day, now Bob Adams was a bit uh, excited about the things of Jesus. Wasn't probably the most well-learned guy in, in fundamental work here, but he loved Jesus and he believed Jesus was coming again. Well, sometimes he was a little bit dingy. And he was up at the bank in, in downtown Dunkirk, Indiana, a little small town. And he, he, I don't know where his brain was, I hope focused on Jesus, but he came out of the bank without looking, walks in front of a car, and the car blew its horn. He didn't look at the car. He looked straight up. <laughs> Y'all understand? That's the way it should be. Having, you know, I don't think it's going to sound like ee, ee, ee. But you know what? Nonetheless, he had that relationship so a reality in his life that he was practicing what God's preaching right here continually, consistently looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, folks, what does the average bear or person think about meeting Jesus any moment face to face? Well, you know, for a lot of people, and I do a lot of counseling, I've done a lot of ministering a lot for a lot of years, and you know, I've been amazed on how many people meeting Jesus face to face is one of the scariest things in their life. They're just dreading death. They're so fearful uh, if there is a God meeting him face to face. And why would that be? Even for some Christians, they're not excited about it. Well, let me give you a little leeway here. You know, we're not sure how that's all going to unfold. We got a lot of information in Scripture. But there's some unknown factors about meeting Jesus and being heaven for all eternity. I think some are kind of warped. You know, some Christians thinks all, think all we're going to do for all eternity is sit on a cloud with some toga on and a harp going twang, twang. It's going to be a lot more fulfilling and blessed than that. I know that because I know my God. So giving you a break, a little leeway here. Maybe it's because of the unknown aspects. Secondly, maybe you're not excited about meeting Jesus even as a believer because you're an unfaithful Christian. 
You're an unfaithful steward of what God's entrusted unto you. The Word of God. You know, using the Word of God daily to minister and meet the needs of others and bring glory and honor His name. Oh, no wonder you're not real excited about meeting my Jesus face to face and give an account. But probably the scariest thought of all, and you should be scared, if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ your Savior. Now, oh, you may say you're saved, but you know deep down in your soul, if you died, you wouldn't be in heaven for all eternity. Oh, you're a nice person. You may be religious as all get out, but you have never been biblically born again. You better be scared because I'm telling you, hell for all eternity is not party central. Hell for all eternity is not a pleasurable place. It's a place of eternal torment. But here's the thing about hell. God doesn't want you to go there because my God died in your place so you don't have to go there. But in your stubbornness, in your conceit, who knows your pride, you've rejected the opportunity of knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Oh boy, how frustrating is it to me to talk to people who just say, well, I think so, I hope so, and praise God to tell them you can know so. I had this gal in my church. She was a grumpy old woman. And uh, she'd been going to church. Oh, she was. I, I, I mean, some of you are grumpier here, but she was really, no, not really. She was, uh, she was just a grumpy gal. And I don't care what we were doing. She was complaining about it. And she'd gone to church all her life. Well, what happened? God put her on her back to make her look up. She, uh, she ended up getting some whatever thing that got her into the hospital. And I went up to her and I said, Catherine, you know I love you. But Catherine, are you sure if, if you don't make it out of here, you're going to go to heaven for all eternity? She says, you know, I really don't know. You know, I had the privilege of taking the Word of God and showing her how she could know. And you know, she was still a bit grumpy, but she was a joyful grumpy. Are you with me? You know, there are Christians like that. She didn't quite get the whole thing cleared up and cleaned out, but she had a confident no-so anticipation. Hey, to be with Jesus for all eternity. So for many people, scares them to death. Unknown aspects, unfaithful steward, an unsaved person. Oh, I kind of understand where you're coming from there. But how about this one? For some people, it's an unreal possibility. Take your Bibles next and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Would you please? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think you can find that pretty easily. And here it talks about a person that's unsaved, why they just don't get it. You know, I've had some of my friends come to me and say, Maynard, why did you give up entertainment? Why, then, why did you give up a lucrative car dealership? They, they just don't understand why I'm so excited and thankful to be in the service of the King and doing what God has blessed me with and entrusted unto me. But folks, this gives a good idea of why folks just don't get it. Look at chapter 2 and go down with me to verse 14. Chapter 2 and verse, verse 14. It says, But the natural man, that's an unsaved person, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. Now, folks, we've talked about this already this week. Until you get saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Therefore, you're not having the capability of understanding. You can be educated. There are a lot of theological studied people around the world that are brilliant, but they still don't have a clue about Jesus. You know why? Because they've yet to be born again. They don't have the Holy Spirit to turn on the light of spiritual, biblical understanding. And that's why there's a lot of confusion. 
That's why there's a lot of distorted so-called Christian colleges and organizations that are nowhere close to truly worshiping, honoring, and serving Jesus. They're still natural men, natural women that receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, and it just doesn't click. My question to you is, does the Bible make sense? Do you really understand when you read the Word of God? If you don't understand, it could be that you don't have the capability. Because you profess to know Jesus because you really desire that, but you've never truly turned from your sin and by faith received Jesus Christ as personal Savior. So a natural person, unsaved person, I don't get it. And this is the reason why. Here's another passage. Turn further into the New Testament. Go to 2 Peter. We're doing a little Bible drill here tonight. Go to 2 Peter, if you would, please. And let me show you the picture of a scoffer. A picture of a scoffer. Now, folks, I have been mocked. I've been maligned. I've been put down like nobody's business as, as I stood for Christ. And that's going to be normal if you take a stand for Christ. And you let people know who and what you are. That's why, that's why a lot of people just aren't real bold in their pronouncement of Christ. They don't want to be rejected. They don't want to be scorned or mocked or set aside. That's why a lot of kids never go into full-time Christian service. Maybe that's reading some of you never did. Because you don't want that kind of hardship and heartache as far as the world around you is concerned. So look on down at this passage. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, look down with me at verses, let's go to 3 and 4 here. Verses 3 and 4. It says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. What are they doing? Well, what scoffers do? Walking after their own lusts. And they're mocking folks. They're saying, where's the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Yada, yada, yada. Can you hear a teenager doing this? Mom and Dad, you've been preaching, putting the Bible down my throat, pulling it out my ear. You've been telling them about Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Has He come yet? I don't think so. Whatever. You know, that type of thing. But you know what? They're a scoffer. And they, again, choose to be dumber than a box of rocks to scriptural understanding. Because as I study scripture, God wants you to understand now, he, he, he's got to save you. Again, I, I said that just a few minutes ago to give you the Holy Spirit, but he'll turn on the light to give understanding concerning salvation. And if you seek him, the Bible says you will find him. The only reason, folks, we stay unknowledgeable of truth is because we don't seek that truth. Does that make sense to you? If you don't read the manual, you're not going to know how to get the motor running and proceed on in faithfulness, in right maintenance, and again, objection, uh, the objective that God has for us. So look down at verse 5. It says, underscore this, for this they willingly are ignorant of. And what's it talking about? The Word of God, the will of God, the working of God. But folks, I understand why an unsaved person goes there, but why do you do that? I really don't want to know because I'd probably be a little ticked off at you. I really would like to know how many of you choose to be willingly ignorant of Scripture. Because you do. Because you think you know enough. That's why you don't do devotions every day. That's why you don't take time to shut the TV off, put the paper down, get out of your tool shed, get off the golf course, and really study the Word of God so you can be that information highway of God's truth to a lost and dying world. Don't tell me you're too busy. If you're too busy to be faithful to the Word of God, you're doing the wrong business. Because you can't function in any aspect of whatever you're doing faithfully for God 
unless you're faithful to hear how He wants it done, and again, what's availed to you through His power and through His working. God longs to illumine your mind and bring forth understanding and really put the scoffer to rest. Now, there's so many blessed verses here, but I want to show you something. It's amazing if we're listening that God has a theme. He wants to be a part of who and what we are. And, and it's that way even in this passage of Scripture. I could preach this till Jesus comes. It says in verse 8, would you look with me please? Same, same passage, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, but beloved, that's believers, says, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years with one day. Now what a promise here. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Folks, what promise? Any promise. <laughs> That's us, people. We're the ones that are sluggards and slack and worthless and inconsistent. But my God is always faithful. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, word, look at this, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, folks, I have some very brainiac guys that I think are messed up in this area. Good friends of mine. And they think that, you know, it's very limited on who can get saved. I, I still believe whosoever will will come. Because I've heard them teach their position over and over again, and I've watched them distort Scripture like I've never seen Scripture distorted. But folks, even this verse alone, properly interpreted, it blows some of their theology out of the ever-loving water. Though It says, My God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, the words you're going to see, folks, as I read this section of Scripture, I want you to pick it out and grab hold. It's the word looking. You know, like we just read in Titus, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing. What's God trying to do even in this passage? Stir us up. Help us understand. Get, get busy now. You know, have anticipation, expectation. Any moment I could give an account, I must be faithful today. And until Jesus takes me home. So let's read on in this passage. Just go along with me. It says in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? Now, folks, this is for you. And I didn't park on sin as much as I'd like to this week, folks, because of the shortness of our meeting as such. I had one guy come in tonight and says, I think we need to do a redo. <laughs> you know, let's just start again on Sunday and go again. I, I tell you, I'd love to be with you guys for another week. I really would. But the guy in Michigan may get a little nervous. You know, I think that's the problem. It says here, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons you ought to be. Now, look what God says is for you in your home, at your work, wherever you go, that you should be in all holy conversation and godliness. Now, I know I've preached this somewhere along the line that I've been with you about holiness. Do you remember that message at all? Probably not, but I'm going to give you a little reminder. What is holiness? Being set apart for God alone. But taking the necessary, aggressive, biblical action to be set apart from the garbage of this world. This world that hates your God, that seeks to keep you, rip you off from being set apart for the will and working of God. Folks, that's a choice that God again directs us to when He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And folks, this conversation business, it entails and involves everything we are. And then it says, In holy conversation and godliness. 
That's what we did on Monday when we talked about being Christ-like. And one more time, that is not optional. Then underscore the word in verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Then in verse 13, nevertheless, we according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And folks, it just keeps going. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, just kind of meander your way half-hearted through the will of God. Is that what it says? Now, what's the word, folks? B, what's the D word? Diligent. Now, folks, that's not a popular topic or activity today in the world around us. But diligence, folks, is not sitting around watching everybody else do the work. Diligence is not against that. I'll get to that later. Diligence involves faithfulness to get it done sooner than later and stay faithful to whatever God orders up. But we get so unbelievably entrenched, entrapped, and controlled by the world, folks, and we forget why we're here to accomplish the will of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ. It says, Be diligent that you may be found in Him in peace without spot and blameless. So the key thought, folks, all through this, He says, Hey, I want you to be looking with great anticipation any moment. This could all just come before you. Any moment, you could be for all eternity in the presence of Jesus. And glory, hallelujah, that is so, so very good. So for many people, folks, this face-to-face stuff scares them to death. And if it does you, it's probably because something's messed up in your relationship with Jesus. For a lot of people, yeah, right. An unreal possibility. But I think for most here tonight, if I, I know you as well as I think I do... You just can't wait. <laughs> it's a wonderful... And now, for some of it's going, I hate this world. Get me out of here. I hate the people in the world. You know? And you're kind of a... You, know, you kind of have a warped perspective of ministry opportunity. But folks, my question for you that really believe it and really look for that blessed hope, when do you look the hardest? When do you look the most? When you get yourself in the deepest hole of trouble, isn't it? Let me, let me give an example of how we do this sometimes, and I'll, I'll pick on the, the boys back and back. Now, are you, you guys homeschooled? Is it homeschool? Are they public school? Okay, okay, all right. Now, now let's, let's go for the, the nine foot three son you have on the back row back there. He thinks he's, he thinks he's like 5'11". I'm, folks, I'm six foot tall unless I shrunk in the snow this week. And he's like three, ten, three inches taller than me. He's the guy's warped and deceived. His feet are bigger, folks, than probably three people combined. I mean, the guy, if he stands on his tiptoes, he'll hit his head on the fans up there. The guy's just tall. All right, let's, let's go. What grade are you in? 11th grade. All right. Let's say at the first of the school year, you're assigned the killer paper of killer papers. We've all been there and done that, haven't we? You know, and they give you all year to do this research paper. Do they still do that? Do they still torture children with that? So what happened? Boy, I wish I'd have had the internet back then. Who cares about plagiarism? I'd have one long paper there, but whatever. (laughs) But what happens? What does the, not just him. Now he'd probably do this. When does the, let's say the, let's say the paper is due on, let's say, May 6th. You get the assignment in September. When does the average teenager start doing the paper? Oh, about 12 o'clock, May 5th, you know, and it's, it's an all-nighter, people, and you know, you're cram jamming, trying to get on. You know, we do that all the time spiritually, too. 
We do. It's just our nature to be again in procrastination mode. You know, it's funny. It's funny what you learn once you get a new mind and new heart in Christ. We were, we were just hicks from Dunkirk, Indiana. We still are. We just live other places now. But uh, when we got saved, a, a pastor by the name of Dr. Collins Glenn started coming to our garage for two reasons. One, he loved cars and he wanted a major bargain. Secondly, he really had a burden to disciple us hillbilly hicks hoosier hicks i call it from dunkirk indiana we were we had we were clueless we're coming fresh out of a methodist church we don't have anything as far as true knowledge of scripture even though we knew more than most people we went to church with but we got kicked out of the methodist church that's hard to do people and uh we got kicked out of the methodist church we're now going to grace baptist church in muncie and dr glenn would come over like if not every week every other week and and he was there to disciple us now, he, uh, here's how it would happen. It was just like everything. Here are two seats right beside Dad's desk right here. Dad always sat there. Then there was a lazy boy chair here and another chair. And Dr. Glenn always sat right by Dad's desk, and he would just expound Scripture. And we were just slobbering like dogs in a meat market. And, and we, just, we were just in awe at the Bible teaching he was feeding us. Well, one day, one day, one day he used a word that was too big for us to understand. He used procrastination. And here's kind of Dad and I's response. Uh, 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 kind of like Scooby-Doo, you know. It's going, rrr, 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 rrr. And uh, so he knew we were just we were just blindsided by this word, and he, he just started laughing. He said, that means you just put it off. And we said, well, why didn't you say so? I feel like the guy behind the curtain there. But, you know, you know, why didn't you say so here? And, and it was just very funny. But, folks, we are very proficient in that kind of choosing. You know, we put it off what should have been done maybe two months ago or since you've been saved. Folks, let's don't do that in Christ Jesus. Let me give you another kid's illustration here. Let's say, let's say mom and dad do the torturous thing that their parents did to them. Remember when you were younger, your parents wanted to get out of the house and they leave you at home. And, and what do the parents always tell you before they leave? No, before, well, for, don't have drugs, don't kill your brother and sister, you know, that kind of normal stuff. But they say, before we get back, this house better be cleaned up. Now, any parents done that to their kids like our parents did that to us? Yeah, I was just, it's kind of like, I will repay. I will torture my children like I was tortured growing up. And it's just a normal parenting thing. Well, let's say mom and dad, uh, you know, they're, they're going to stay out to about 9 o'clock. When does the average child start cleaning up the house? Talk to me. 9.58. No. As soon as they see the lights coming down the driveway, that's when we always did it. You know, untie your brother, okay? Get him out of the closet. Duct tape. Get rid of that, you know? Throwing things under all over the place. Again, folks, let's not be that way toward our Heavenly Father. You know, we say we believe this stuff. Why don't we start acting like it? You know, I was thinking, I had a couple, about three or four. You all see my my coffee table in my motel room. It, I got about 30 messages just all sprawled out there on that coffee table. You know, and I was just saying, God, what could I do to help these people up their game? You heard that terminology? Just do it better than they've been doing it. To be more in understanding, I need to get hot. I need to get busy. I need to be more faithful for the cause of Christ through this church so this church can grow. And be an impacting ministry tool like God longs for it to be. Folks, you got a good thing going here, but you got two empty seats, too many empty seats. Y'all, y'all have that same burden that I've got, and I've only been here three times. But there is great potential. 
unbelievable opportunity to do a great work for God. And I understand there's another one up the hill, but let's let them get filled too. But let's make sure we up our game to the point that this church produces not just fruit, but much fruit. Now, here's what I I know is a fact, and I'm thankful for it. You love being with each other. I mean, it's very obvious. You, you You enjoy each other, which is a good thing, but that can become a mere religious social clique. It really can. Because we don't want some stranger to come in and mess up our fellowship. Now, I know you don't think that way, but that's the way it can become when you stop looking unto Jesus. When you start ha- stop having that, hey, any moment we could give an account. We need to get busy. We need to get busier. We need to be faithful. We need to be fruitful. We need to be more fruitful in the will and working of God. Well, if Pastor and Terry just get out there and do more calls and work a little harder, we'd have a bigger, better church out there. Now, you know, I know you well enough that hopefully is not the way that the majority of you think, and I don't think it is. But you know what? They're here to train you, and you're supposed to work like there's no tomorrow to do your all, your best, all the time for Jesus Christ. You know what keeps me keeping on, folks? Where we started here tonight. Looking with great anticipation, with the reality any moment, I can meet my Jesus face to face. But here's here's my thought. What's He going to say to you? What is he going to say concerning your choices on this temporal world that he puts you in as a stranger, an ambassador for Christ? What will he say to you? Would he say this with a broken heart? Why were you so unfaithful? Man, I I saved your soul. I gave you my book. I gave you a man of God to teach and proclaim God's truth, to instruct you, equip you, prepare you for the work of God. And you got wrapped up in something that really doesn't matter. For all eternity? Why were you so unfaithful? Or would he utter the words I think are the, the, probably the saddest words that come from the mouth of my Jesus? You know what those words are and will be? Depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, I know you were a church member. I, I know you were there when the doors were open, even when the doors were closed. But you weren't really saved. You had a love for me, but not enough to get past your own self-love and receive the gift of eternal life so you could become my child for all eternity. Folks, this is not a rejoicing statement from my Jesus. I'm sure, as I mentioned, it will break his heart. Depart from me. I never knew you. Because, folks, not as a scare tactic, not just to put you on a guilt trip. Any moment, any moment, you could meet my Jesus face to face. Would you bow your heads and hearts, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed. As I've driven around the community, as I've gone from store to store, folks, I don't think you've bought up all the opportunities to reach the folks in this community. You know, even driving out in the boondocks and waller hollers of this surrounding area. I know they may be spread out more than some big city, But I think there are still people that need to hear about who you have as your personal Savior. And there are a lot of people very, very confused because they've never had anyone say, hey, let me tell you what the Bible says. Let me me give you understanding and tell you what I have been taught. But what has kept you from doing 
your part for Christ and this local church. If it's something that, again, takes you away from faithfulness, you better examine your choices and your priorities because we still serve a jealous God who saved you and called you with a holy calling and has a blessed, wonderful ministry for you to fulfill. So my burden, my challenge for you tonight is let this passage in Titus be just as a, uh, just a motivator for you as it is for my heart. I don't want to disappoint my Jesus. I don't want to hear, hey, Maynard, you blew it. You were so selfish. You were so foolish in your choosing. No, no, people. I don't want to hear one thing. Well, a couple things. Welcome home. And then, well done, thou good and faithful servant of God. Folks, that's what you should desire. But it's not going to happen if you're not ready to meet him face to face. Now, pastor's not here tonight, so here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to have Terry play on the piano, a hymn of invitation. We're still going to open the altar uh, or front seats if you need to just sit. But maybe you just want to ask God to stir that fire of anticipation up in your heart. That fire that so burns within you that it directs you again to go forth boldly like a, like a jet engine going forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. And really, folks, if you're not ready to meet Him, this would be a good time to get ready. Ask His forgiveness. Commit to His will. And then with no regrets, no sense of real guilt of fleshly choosing, you'll be prepared to hear, hear well done, thou good and faithful servant of God. I'll pray, then I'll come down the front and help you if you need some help. But folks, what a great opportunity of worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords as we have this invitation tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you and praise you, Lord, for another wonderful time of fellowship around your word. Lord, I, I pray this did in the hearts what you had convicted me and challenged me, and God gave me hope that would happen. That, Lord, this would stir up the embers of desire and fire in the heart. So, God, they'll go forth with this place, from this place ablaze in excitement, anticipation, Lord, of doing a greater work for you. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've taught us. We thank you, Lord, for what you've entrusted to us. Now, God, help us to make those right decisions of commitment to you so we can, God, be productive. And again, in a position of, again, uh, just hearing, uh, God, faithfulness, the cry from your heart concerning our lives. Love you and thank you, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed as Terry plays, and again, God works in your heart, let me encourage you to come. The altar's open.